Hello and welcome to Scott Rock. Where your hosts from Climb Scotland, Robert McKenzie and me, Cal McBain, catch up with climbers every two weeks who have different epic tales to tell us. We hope you enjoy the show. And remember, when you're out climbing, be safe and do your buddy checks. Hey everyone, welcome back to Scott Rock. Uh, this is episode 23 and again we've got something slightly different for you guys. This is, uh, at the end of the day, uh, a climbing podcast but we're going to step slightly outside of the climbing realm for just two seconds and speak with an absolute legend, Iona Rendell. Um, Iona is, one, she's a keen hill walker, that is her thing and that's her vice uh, but she's also the founder of the huge walking group on Facebook, Iona's Adventures, and she's setting up a, a follow-on social enterprise to help offer skills training courses um, and outdoor hill walking adventures, also called Iona's Adventures. Iona is a really, really cool person to speak to. I'm so glad she managed to squeeze me into her busy schedule for a quick chat and the inspiring words that she gives me here I think transcend outside of hill walking into all climbing all mountaineering um, and really any sport that people do Uh, she is a vastly vastly impressive and inspiring person Um, so grab a cup of tea sit down enjoy the chat with Iona Rendell In fact, I know. I think it's been months actually. Yeah, that's actually been a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, COVID. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Lockdown, just, yeah, I'm still just working away at the practice. And I don't know, I've been trying to go out on walks and things and just enjoy the weather as it's getting a bit better. But um, yeah, I don't know, it's just. I'm looking forward to seeing family and stuff again because I haven't seen my family since October so it's feeling like a really long time and I am excited to get out adventuring again but my priority just now is family so I'm I'm just desperate for that. Yeah, I'm the same. My my folks are all up in Vernessway so yeah, I've not seen anybody in a long time. Uh, And it's funny, it's like the, the, the only answer that's kind of relevant when people ask, you know, how have you been? It's like surviving. (laughs) it's all we've really got (laughs) I know and I just feel like I've got this little bubble just now where I go to work because my work days are just normal Mm. because I'm a nurse so I've still got that normality which is is really nice and I'm really grateful for that as well so yeah yeah I think I would have struggled if I had had to work from home I don't know how I would have coped with it but then so many people have so yeah it's doable (laughs) it sucks (laughs) it sucks is what it is Mm. Uh, the working from home thing is not when you when you're a social butterfly like myself working from home (laughs) kind of sucks (laughs) actually there's a question that I was wanting to ask you from the last time we spoke um on the the big panel show with everybody uh there was a mention of the Biscoff fudge recipe and there was there was a backstory there that none of us were in on that seemed to be really hilarious and it's been playing on my mind ever since. Like, where did that come from? That question came out of the blue. <laughs> this makes me laugh so much. So when I first started um, my group walks, 
I think that in fact the very first group walk that I organised back in July or August 2018 I made Rocky Road to take with me and took enough pieces for everybody that was on the walk and everybody was just delighted with it to have like a home bake and a sugar rush you know when we were on the top of the hill so it just became a thing that I did for the first however many walks that I organised where I took a home bake until the walks got really big and I thought oh I don't think I can make enough for 30 <laughs> 40 odd people but there was one walk that I went on which was now I think it was from Pitlochry it was a while ago I can't really remember yeah it was from Pitlochry and it was a walk that was specifically organised for anybody who was a member of the group who'd never come along to a group walk before, which meant that everybody who was there was there for the first time. Yeah. So everybody was sort of united in that, which was a really, really sort of nice, welcoming sense for everybody. And I thought, right, you can ever, I need to take a home bake for this one. And I made Biscoff fudge, which isn't really baking. It's more just putting everything in a pan and melting it together and letting it set. So it's not much skill, but it's fudge that's made with Biscoff spread. Kind of Love it already. Straight through it. And um, Roth and Rachel, <laughs> who are members of my walking group, who are on Instagram, they're a brilliant couple. I'd never met them before, but we chatted absolutely loads on Instagram. And they came along to that walk. They'd never joined the group walk before. And they had this disc of fudge. They absolutely loved it. Like, really, really loved it. Became obsessed with it. Most of the time when one of them messages me, especially Ross, it's about the disc of fudge. <laughs> but... He forgets that it's called Biscoff fudge and he keeps calling it Biscotti fudge. Now, I believe that Biscotti is a biscuit or it's a biscuit. It's something anyway. Yeah. And he keeps calling the Biscoff fudge Biscotti fudge. And, I, you know, to start with, I was like, ha ha ha, no, it's Biscoff, you know, trying to correct him. And then he just would not get it. <laughs> and now it's become a thing for. I think he purposely says biscotti fudge because it really <laughs> winds me up. <laughs> and every time he messages me now about it, he actually genuinely tries to remember that it's biscoff fudge. But because this has been going on for a couple of years, he's really psyched himself out about it. <laughs> and he gets he says he gets himself so worked up trying to remember, is it actually biscoff or is it actually biscotti? And he talks himself out of it and it's so funny. <laughs> so when you ask the question, you know, the question on yeah. the panel chat that somebody asked about biscotti fudge, I thought, oh, for goodness sake, that is 100% Ross. <laughs> So oh, that's Keller. a long-winded story about it, but it just goes to show that, you know, these people that you chat to online and eventually get to meet in person and you make all these lovely memories and connections yeah. and, you know, all these just silly little funny stories. And it's probably not funny to you at all, but between <laughs> myself, Ross and Rachel, it's just hilarious, you know. So, Love it. Yeah, it, it does make me laugh. <laughs> it's little stories like that that make all these adventures so much more memorable. Like the tiny little things that aren't funny to anybody else. It's just, it means so much to you. I love those those moments. Totally. And when it's somebody that you've connected with online and then you meet in person and you realise that actually they are a true friend and you yeah. do get along and you can have these laughs, you know, that is such a nice thing. So, nice. Yeah, I love that. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I think this is something that uh, most people will know you f or know your name from is you are the Iona of... Iona's Adventures. Yeah, so my Facebook walking group is Iona's Adventures and my own personal Instagram is Iona.adventuring. Yeah. So, um, so it, it's something that 
you know, I, I definitely want to chat about later on, but the kind of the continuation of this is you're now are you still in the middle of setting up your social enterprise? Yeah. So I officially sort of launched it in December 2020. Oh, right. Year. Excellent. But that was more just to let people know that it was going to be a thing. Okay. And to start the ball rolling with fundraising because I appealed to people um, to help me raise funds to basically get it off the ground. So I launched it in December, but obviously with restrictions over the last sort of three, four months, haven't been able to actually do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you want to give us a like a rundown of what, what your plans are, what the social enterprise is? Yeah, so obviously I've been running my Facebook group, Walking Group, for the last uh, three years, coming up to three years. And the whole reason that this social enterprise has come about off the back of the Facebook group was I've learned a lot from people who've joined me on group walks and I see people who are more experienced kind of teaching other people things unofficially while mm. out walking. And I sort of started thinking, how can I, how can I, you know, teach people things or, or have this sort of knowledge exchange between people on a more official base? Um, and I started thinking of setting up skills courses, outdoor skills courses that people could book on to with official mountain leaders because I'm not a mountain leader at all, I'm not qualified in any way. The group walks have always been a more social sort of thing and so I decided to set up this organisation to provide official outdoor skills courses. Decided on using the format of a social enterprise which means that as well as upskilling people and helping them to access and sort of confidently and competently get outdoors I thought well if it's a social enterprise I can also feed profit back into the business to help people access it who maybe wouldn't financially be able to or underrepresented groups that don't feel that they can can access something like that so the idea is to provide outdoor skills courses for for everyone and anyone but also to then reinvest into the organization and make it even more accessible to, to everyone so really excited about it yeah. and i've got some great mountain leaders on board the mountain leaders who i have organized to work for me they're all members of the walking group which is really nice because they're all part of that community already they've all seen it grow they've all been been there for a little while and um they all kind of understand the ethos of it and they really kind of align with my my beliefs and my ambitions with the group which is really cool so that's that's a big factor in it as well that's awesome that's awesome it sounds great uh hopefully you know once the restrictions start lifting in the next month a couple of weeks uh we'll start to see you getting kicked off properly it'd be amazing fingers crossed it's been yeah it's been a bit of an uphill battle because it's just difficult as one person to set yeah, up yeah. this sort of organization and i'm just learning everything as i go along i've been really fortunate in that people have offered sort of skills and time and assistance with things but then i don't necessarily know what i need so <laughs> it's been difficult from that point of view and even just things like getting insurance sorted and yeah, stuff like yeah. that you know when I when I launch everything, I want to make sure that it's done properly, and I want everything to be covered. I want people to feel safe and supported. So it's getting all of that in place. And to be fair, you know, this 
most recent lockdown has actually been a really good time for doing that because I haven't had the pressures of getting courses out there and advertise. I have been able to focus on behind the scenes and the website and things like that and getting everything sorted. So it'll be good to get course dates going, but yeah. I don't anticipate that I'll have loads of things available straight away when restrictions start to ease. I'm very much thinking of sort of easing into it and gauging what the interest is and the demand is for courses and, you know, probably start with things like basic health skills courses for anybody who's maybe starting out and has discovered a love of, of the outdoors during lockdown or anybody who needs a refresher because let's be honest it's been over a year since most of us have been on the mountains yeah you can become so so detailed in that time you know i did a navigation course maybe a couple of years ago now and i definitely need a refresher so i think a lot of my my aim and my purpose to start with is making sure that the groundwork's there the foundations are there for people getting out safely because you know the last thing we want is people rushing to the mountains and, and ending up with avoidable mountain rescue calls and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's about having fun and accessing the outdoors and being active for your mental and physical health, but it's also about the safety aspect. A huge part of it is about the safety aspect and just trying to make sure that people are aware, really. Yeah, I mean, it sounds awesome. Like, it's been... So I did my mountain leader training oh, two years ago now, around about two years ago now, and... Uh, I honestly don't think I've done much nav practice myself in two years. Just with everything last year, I focused on climbing rather than mountain leader stuff. So, yeah, I, I would even relish the chance to come out with you guys. Uh, Consider sure. it done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this, I mean, this isn't the first podcast you've done. Um, I, I've, I actually listened to another one you did the other day, um, and I, I heard you describe yourself as the ordinary adventure and i i honestly would not describe your you as ordinary at all given uh you know that you're you're a busy nurse uh you, you're working in the gp practice you're setting up the social enterprise you've got the the facebook group up and running uh, you're still finding time for yourself to go out hill walking all the time or as much as possible and encouraging others to join you um it's awesome uh uh, yeah, I would not describe you as ordinary in that respect at all. <laughs> um, but it sounds like the the hill walking thing for you is it, it's a relatively recent thing. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, it's not something you kind of grew up doing. You didn't grow up in that kind of environment. Um, you kind of discovered it on on your own terms and are are creating your life kind of around it. And uh, so, I kind of want to get into you know why it means so much to you you know what what it means to you um and hopefully like this can be a message for experienced hill walkers mountaineers climbers that have been locked up for so long um to give them some super super psych to get back out there once we're allowed to uh re go a little bit f more further afield um but also for anyone who's new to the hills who listens to this you know can get a bit of inspiration and feel like it is something for them and something that they can do um so yeah let, let's let's dial it way back you did you grow up in uh, Aberdeen so I grew up in Aberdeenshire um right out in the countryside surrounded by fields our next door neighbor was a farm yeah <laughs> um so, so yeah I, I mean what, what what was that like to, were you into loads of sports back then were you into the outdoors at all like where did this 
come from? So, I mean, I've got two younger sisters and my dad's probably always really wanted a son. <laughs> so we we grew up, like I say, surrounded by fields out in the countryside with all these boys' toys. <laughs> my dad used to buy like little mini quad bikes and we had what you would call a dune buggy, like a, oh, a buggy yes. with a roll cage. Yes. And we used to, we literally used to drive around the fields um, because we knew the farmer and stuff like that. So we were always outside playing, you know, raking about in the fields and we were really lucky to have a garden and stuff like that. And um, yeah, we loved playing outside, me and my little sisters. And that was, you know, that was our sense of the outdoors yeah. as kids. We didn't go on things like family walks or hikes or things like that. We went, um, we went camping sometimes in my parents had a trailer tent. Do you remember those? Like a trailer yeah. that you would tow with the back on the back of your car, and then this tent folds out from it, and that just seemed like a massive adventure. And that was just you know places in Scotland, and we'd stay in caravans abroad and stuff like that. And you know for us that was the outdoors, that was adventure. I wouldn't say I was sporty at all. I was so so shy as a kid. I hated, I hated anything that was out of my comfort zone really <laughs> and my parents tried to get me to go to gymnastics classes as a kid and I just cried and cried and cried so they took me home and, and gave up and then years years later about 11 years old I eventually did go to gymnastics and I think I did dancing classes at one point as well but you know I would have been the absolute wallflower I didn't want anyone I didn't want to stand out I didn't want people to notice me I didn't want to push myself I definitely didn't want to be involved in any team sports I remember at school like the thought of hockey and somebody running at me with a hockey stick oh my gosh that was just <laughs> not my idea of fun at all so I wasn't sporty as a kid and I loved being outside with my sisters at home and raking about in the fields surrounding our house and things like that but it just wasn't something when I, th I think now of all the things I love about the outdoors, you know, I love hiking and I, I go paddle boarding and stuff like that. That just wasn't something that I did or knew about or ever would have thought I would have enjoyed yeah. as a kid. So very, very different. And then it was when I was I was living in Aviemore. I moved there when I was 19. I used to be a police officer and I left the police and decided to completely have a, a big change in life. So I left the police and moved to Aviemore when I was 19 and um, just found myself surrounded by this really, really beautiful, stunning scenery. I mean, Aberdeenshire is so flat and then to yes. move to Aviemore in the heart of the Cairngorms, literally surrounded by mountains and all these amazing lochs and things and forest walks and stuff like that. I just thought, the best way for me to explore that area was to go walking and it was all low level walks and through sort of the Glenmore forest area and around all the lochs and things and I got myself a bike and I started doing some really basic low level mountain biking and um, yeah that was that was my way of sort of discovering and exploring that beautiful outdoor space and you know I used to look up at the mountains and think oh it'd be amazing to go hiking <laughs> but there's no way I could do that I just haven't got the fitness or the experience or the know-how or anything I literally didn't even own a down jacket you know and I used to see yeah. all these people in really nice cool down jackets you know part of the outdoors and it, it was after I'd been living in Aviemore for five years that a friend pretty much dragged me up on Monroe and that was the first time I'd ever been hill walking 
and um, yeah, <laughs> my memory of that is is quite rose tinted now. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, I was like, "This is horrendous." It was boggy and it was heavy and it was windy. We couldn't find the path, and we were just trudging through this heather. And oh my gosh, I remember thinking to myself, "This is awful. This is not fun." I, I'm not surprised I haven't done this before. I can't believe people do this for fun. And then we got to the top, you know, and. We were surrounded by all these other mountains and the sky just sort of opened up and I just felt like we were on top of the world and actually, you know, we took photos and we had snacks at the top and we were laughing about it and on the way back down we inevitably found the path that we hadn't been able to find on the way up <laughs> and actually I just thought, oh, that wasn't that, wasn't that bad. I don't know what I was complaining about and, and that was it, that kind of kick-started it and that was in September 2016. So, wow, not that long yeah, ago. Yeah, that's not, not long ago at all, no, exactly. Wow. What, uh, what Monroe was it? Uh, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm not actually sure. So... I know it's really bad. I don't really remember a lot of the Munros that I've been up. I'm I don't keep a track of um, how many I've done. I don't really remember the names that well, which is really really. I mean, I say it's terrible, but who says it's terrible? No, you know, it, that, that, I I don't think it's terrible like, at all. I think the uh, the 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 days that you go out and just have so much fun that you know the tick tick in the book or no remembering the name at the end of the day means nothing to you because the experience being out there was just the most awesome thing so you know for your for first Monroe just wandering about the mountains getting to the top of a really big thing and coming back having an awesome day that's more important than knowing what hill it was totally and you know I was living in Newton Moore at the time so I'd lived in Aviemore and lived in a couple of the the outlying villages and things like that and I was living in Newton Moor at the time of this hike and it was one of the Munros that was literally behind Newton Moor so it was really really close to home which was really right. cool um but yeah you're right you know it's more about the memory of that walk I mean I could find it no bother if I was going to do it again I wouldn't be able to tell you what the name of it was but I could find it no bother and it is more about creating those those experiences for me personally anyway I mean don't get me wrong when I'm going to do a walk I know the name of it when I'm going to do it and I've obviously got my map and things like that but yeah I don't I don't keep a note of them afterwards and I don't tick them off and I think it's cool for anybody who is because there are people out there who are specifically Monroe Baggin yeah and they want to keep a track of it and and that's like a personal challenge for them and and everybody's driven in such different ways and that's just not one of the ways that I'm driven personally yeah, uh, the first interview we ever did uh, on Scott Rock was uh, Kevin Woods, who had just completed his uh, winter round of the two eight two. That in, would have been such a cool time to interview him in ninety days. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just completed it, and I I, I got him on the phone. Uh, it was just after the first lockdown kicked in, and I got him on the phone and did a did a phone interview with him, and it was insane hearing his stories. Yeah, oh, uh, I'm gonna go back and listen to that one. That sounds really good, actually. Yeah, first episode, still our most popular episode as well. It's had like six hundred <laughs> something listens. It's insane. Um, wow. I w- yeah, I was gonna say like while we're saying it, it, it doesn't really matter that you remember the name of it. Maybe knowing what hill you're on is a good thing, just safety wise. You know, if something goes wrong, you have to phone Mountain Rescue. <laughs> and be like, I'm on a hill somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like, when I'm preparing for a day in the hills, I'm obviously switched on. I know I know where I'm going. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And I do think that's important, though, because, you know, way back when I when I did start hill walking, okay, so that day was with a friend who, who knew more than me at the time. But, you know, I've made loads of mistakes along the way. And this is something that we spoke about in the panel interview for, yeah, yeah. for Taiso. Um and everybody's going to make mistakes along the way, but it's kind of owning those mistakes and actually learning from it. As long as you learn something from it and you're progressing and you're not sort of um, ignorant about it, then, then that's a really important thing. And that's part of why I call myself or refer to myself as an ordinary adventurer because I'm not an elite athlete. I'm very far from any kind of athlete. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of showing that you can have uh, a day-to-day job you know doing whatever it is that you're doing whether you're office-based whether you're a nurse like me or whatever you do, do you know being able to do that day in day out and then spend your free time adventuring because I think a lot of people especially with social media you know a lot of people can see the word adventurer and think that that's somebody who has either grown up in that environment forever or they're a sponsored athlete and they've got this huge knowledge base and stuff like that but you can be an adventurer and just do it in your spare time yeah. or just do it every so often you know an adventure is what you make it and an adventurer is anyone who who sees what they're doing as you know an outdoor adventure it's not it's not like a, a set definition and no. I, I guess by referring to myself as an ordinary adventurer, I think it, it normalises it for a lot of other people because it's cool to be inspired by athletes and, and people who give up their day job to be an adventurer or whatever. But it's also cool to have people that you can relate to and who inspire you on a day-to-day level. And I think that's really important as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure, like the even like the the quick hit couple of our mini adventures going and looking at a new hill or as a climber going and looking at a new crag or um, going and seeing something new, trying something new. Those little mini adventures are are awesome, and just because it's something new to you, something that you've not done before, something that might be slightly out of your comfort zone, that's an adventure. That makes you an adventurer. Totally. I think it's about a mindset as well. Even even when I finish work, I, you know, the GP practice that I'm in is, is near the Portobello area in Edinburgh and I can finish work and go down to the beach after work because it's lighter in the evenings now and either, either you know, go along the beach for a walk or go out on my paddleboard or go for a quick dip in the sea. All of that can be classed as an adventure and I tell myself it's an adventure because that gives me something to focus on. It gives me something positive at the end of the day where I know that I can leave work behind, I can switch off and I can get some outdoor time and I can call it a micro adventure. You can call it whatever you want, you know, Hmm. but having that actual mindset to say, I'm going on an adventure and I'm going to make it the best part of my day. I'm going to make it the highlight of my day. I'm going to use it as headspace and to look after my mental health or whatever do you know it's having that mindset and telling yourself that it is whatever you want it to be it can be as as big or as small as you want it to be as well and I think that's really important yeah yeah I, I think you know for a lot of people that that word adventure or the idea of the, the micro adventure that that's become a lot more real for people in the last year you know especially for for people like you and me that are stuck in central belt in the middle of the cities 
Um, you know, even going to Asda is an adventure these days. <laughs> you know, just, just the Asda know, adventure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like going for a little walk around the park feels like an adventure now because we've we've not had you know the big idea, uh, idyllic, uh, Instagram worthy adventures. We've not been able to have those for so long. So even the little ones feel like an adventure. And that you know, once we're allowed to travel again and go and do what we would normally get up to, that'll make those adventures feel like mega adventures that'll be full-on expedition Mm -hmm. just you know getting (laughs) out of the city yeah and interestingly there even you mentioned the sort of instagram worthy adventures even things like me going for a quick dip at portobello beach and then posting about it on instagram to some people that seems like a big adventure because they're not by the coast they don't have access to the beach yeah. during lockdown or when I've been lucky enough to to get to the Pentlands you know to me that that seems like a small hill in comparison to things I've done but I still love that so much and you can make a, a trip to the Pentlands as long as you want because you can take in several hills and again for some people who are in a living somewhere that's really flat and they literally have no hills the pentlands to them seem like a big adventure and i think a lot of it's about perspective especially with lockdown you know making the most of where you are yes okay so some people are absolutely sick to the back teeth of their local walks but <laughs> you've everybody's had to make the most of where they are yeah. and to me something like the pentlands or paddleboard and at portobello beach is something that i can actually do in my day-to-day life even with restrictions that is that's instagrammable because other people are looking at that and thinking oh that looks absolutely incredible and i think yeah you still have to remember that because what seems like a very kind of easy day-to-day activity for you can be something so massive and incredible to somebody else and it's all about perspective at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Everybody's personal adventure is different from everybody else's, but they mean the same. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, how did you end up in in Aviemore, of all places? For for someone who for someone who wasn't, you know, a hill walker at the time, hadn't done much hill walking, who. You know, it sounds like the police, you, you weren't enjoying that at all. So was, was it a way of just kind of escaping that and kind of a fresh start, clean slate? Or was there a, I'm going to go to Aviemore because this is, you know, what I want to be able to do. Like th- this place offers me what I, I, I actually need. No, not at all. Um, like I say, I'd never been a hill walking before I moved to Aviemore. wasn't something I knew anything about at all. I'd been on holiday with my family as a kid to, to Aviemore and we lived, we stayed in Carbridge um, for a weekend. And that was the only time that I'd, I think I'd ever been to that area at all. And basically I'd left the police because, like you say, I really wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy being a police officer. And I guess I didn't feel like I was helping people the way that I imagined I could. And so before that, I'd done some work in the care sector, um, looking after vulnerable adults. And I sort of thought, actually, I quite enjoyed the care sector and maybe that's maybe that's more suited to me. So I was waiting to start a college course in Aberdeen to do health and social care. And I was working, I think I was working about four different summer jobs um, and a few of those were in the care sector. And I was just waiting for this college course to start. 
And every Friday, I think it was, the Press and Journal newspaper had the job section. So every Friday I would go through the job section and I was living at home with my parents at the time. And if my mum got to the, the job section before me, she would sort of keep a note of anything, like point out any jobs that she thought were suitable for me. And so this one Friday, she'd put the paper away and I thought, oh, well, there must not be any jobs because she would like make a not so subtle hint if there had <laughs> been. So I just had a glance through it. And then I saw this job in Avi Moore that was for an outdoor centre called Badagush. I don't know if you've heard of it, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's quite well known. And basically... It was this outdoor centre that we're advertising for somebody to work in the respite section of the centre, which is um, an area where people with varying different disabilities can come to Badagush for a holiday and they've got 24 hour support and care as well as doing adapted outdoor activities. And I saw this job advert and I was like, oh, that's an unusual care job. That sounds that sounds good fun. And so I said to my mum, you know, why did you not point this job out? And she said, well, it's an Avi Moore. And I just sort of thought, actually, do you know what? There's nothing keeping me in Aberdeenshire. Yes, my family were there, but you know, I didn't have any commitments and I wasn't with anybody at the time and there was nothing that was really tying me to the Aberdeen area other than this this health and social care course at the college after the summer. And I thought, you know what, I could do a college course anytime. This job sounds like something that is really rare. And I found out about it, I interviewed for it, I got offered it and I moved there within a matter of weeks and I just thought, actually, I'm going to go for this. This is something different. And yeah, I worked at Badagush and I rented a room off of somebody who I found on Gumtree. I didn't know anybody in the area at all. Just rented this room off this stranger who became one of my best friends. And um, yeah, I worked at Badagush in this respite centre. So I had a little bit of care experience right. before that. But I had no experience in outdoor activities. And I just sort of learned everything as I went along and they have things like adapted bicycles so that you can cycle with, for somebody who is in a wheelchair and they have this incredible experience of of sitting on a bike and having the sort of wind rushing through their hair but you're the person that's pedaling for them or they had trikes for people who who couldn't balance on a bike and had this extra stability and um, we did things like canoeing where we would tie the canoes together so that somebody who was wheelchair bound or had some sort of physical impairment was able to enjoy that canoeing experience but having the safety of their carers and activity leaders with them yeah. at all times and we taught them archery which I'd never done in my life so <laughs> that was interesting I had to learn archery to then teach archery and just did all of these amazing activities and it was such a cool place to be and and I suppose that was when you know working there for six months was really the start of me being outside and like I said to you before you know I, I would walk locally and to try and explore this this new place that I was living and um yeah that was that was how I ended up in Aviemore so it was for a care job that happened to be at an outdoor activity centre and then it all just snowballed from there. Ah, oh, sounds like an absolutely amazing place that that sounds incredible are they still are they still yeah, operational pretty... do you know I've no idea to be honest. Um, yeah, I left after after six months there, which was sort of bittersweet, but it was for the best right, ultimately. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
they I know that they were definitely running for for years after that. I mean, this was this was ten years ago now that that I moved there, um, and I know that they were operational for years afterwards. I don't know I don't know what their status is at the moment, but you know if they are, it's an incredible opportunity. We had adults and children with varying disabilities or even learning difficulties who would come on holiday and that's what it was to them it was a holiday because they got a week or two weeks of incredible experiences and 24-hour support and it was really really special to be a part of that i absolutely loved it it was it was really cool it was so good wow well i hope i hope so. they're, they're still operational today and anybody who works there is listening to this, shout out about a goose. You guys are awesome. <laughs> um, so obviously, like you said, you know, moving to Aviemore, you you started to get out and you discovered hill walking. You had that first awesome day out there, and um, you were kind of forced into the mountains in Aviemore. I, I think everybody that moves to Aviemore is kind of forced to do some kind of mountain thing, which is just awesome. It's such a cool <laughs> place. Um, but then, you know, you, you kind of got into it there and then you moved to Edinburgh. You became a nurse. You, you did your, your nursing course. You moved to Edinburgh. You got a job in the ward. Now you're working at the GP practice. Um, that's quite a big change. It's quite a, a big change in kind of lifestyle and environment. And um, given that you had just discovered your, your love for hill walking, how was that transition for you? Yeah, so I did my training, my nurse training up in Inverness, which was amazing because all of my placements were scattered around the Highlands. So my very first placement was on the Isle of Skye. So, you know, I rented awesome. a flat there and lived there for a couple of months. But again, this was all before I started hill walking and really exploring. So, yeah, 2016 was when I went up my first Monroe. And the next year, 2017, that was when I qualified as a nurse. And my partner and I, um, so I met him the day after I moved to Aviemore. <laughs> so my partner, Boomer, he's from Aviemore. He grew up there. He's always lived there. And I qualified as a nurse in 2017. We were together, obviously. And I said to him, Do you know, if, if we're going to ever try living anywhere else, maybe this is the time to do it before I start a career. And he kind of just went along with it. He's like, yeah, sure. And he's got family who are in Edinburgh. So we'd spent a lot of time visiting there and spending weekends in Edinburgh. And we sort of said, you know, well, that'd be a nice place to live. Yeah, we quite like that. And I applied for the job and, and got a job straight away. So we made the move in 2017, literally a year after my, my first Monroe experience. And yeah, moving to Edinburgh, I realized that we were nowhere near any big hills. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of when I discovered the Pentland Hills because that's that's obviously the, the closest sort of outdoor playground. And it was a bit strange to start with because I was discovering the whole new place all over again, but again, did it with my bike and local walks and things like that. And then once I kind of got a little bit more knowledge about the Munros because I, I hadn't done many Munros in that time, and I, I realised that actually being in the central belt, you're kind of, you're well positioned for, for travelling to different Munros and for even getting to the Loch Lomond area and things like that. 
and sterling and things so I just decided that if I wanted to continue hill walking I would just need to travel a little bit further it was ideal when I was living in the Cairngorms because I was in the Cairngorms yeah, and yeah. I was literally surrounded by mountains but because that wasn't a big part of my life at that point because I'd already I'd only been hiking for a year and even at that it, it wasn't much you know moving to Edinburgh it wasn't like a big loss of the mountains because it wasn't something that that was a, a huge factor in my life not right. the way that it is now <laughs> yeah but not yet now <laughs> yeah <laughs> little did I know what was to come but you know if you if you want to do those those big hill days and you want to explore part of that is the journey getting there and, and committing to the time and the effort it takes to to get there and and that's just what I had to do and that's what I do now um and yeah it didn't it didn't seem like a, a big deal at the time when we moved to Edinburgh and I decided if I wanted to do hill walking I was just gonna have to do the traveling and and that's all it was yeah yeah like like you said like uh, that commitment to if you're having to travel for something that is a level of commitment maybe you know you got to pay for transport or you know you got to pay for fuel for the car travel a few hours to get to a hill but all of that commitment all of that planning and everything the travel adds to the adventure side of it as well you know actually committing yourself to something is an adventurous thing so yeah for even for people living in the central belt just that travel makes the day even bigger you know um, yeah totally and i mean there's there's some mountains that you can get to from the edinburgh surf area in around an hour and a half that's yeah, nothing yeah. in no. comparison you know scotland's such a small country and i think we sometimes forget that because we feel like the highlands or the islands can be far flung but in the grand scheme of things i mean if you look at if you lived somewhere like australia there's no way you could cross <laughs> the country in a day yeah, <laughs> do you know yeah, what i mean for sure for sure um so has your obviously like you said you, you kind of discovered your your love for hill walking in Aviemore, but it hadn't quite blossomed into what it is now um so how is that how has that passion changed over the years has it changed as a result of the facebook group or did, was the facebook group kind of born out of this growing passion no, I would say, you know, I set up the Facebook group in 2018, so a year after I'd moved to Edinburgh, and I'd been walking on my own up the Pentlands and a little bit further afield and thinking to myself, you know, I'd really like to maybe attempt my mountain leader training, which I haven't, I still haven't done. <laughs> but at the time, I thought that would be good to do, and I looked up the requirements and saw that, you know, with logging the, the QMDs, which is quality mountain days, that you had to, or I had to log solo days as well as group days and I was thinking to myself oh my gosh I don't know anybody that I can class as a group of friends that I could go walking with you know I'd been doing it all on my own and I thought I kept getting messages from people on Instagram saying that they loved the hikes that I was going on and the photos and videos I was sharing and you know would I would I consider meeting up and, and going hill walking together and I thought well, it never came to anything, but there's obviously, you know, a little bit of demand for it. And that's where the Facebook group came from, because I thought, well, if I if I organise walks on this Facebook group and invite people to come with me, not only do I then get to meet like-minded people, but I also get to log that as part of my, my group aspect of QMDs. And so it was sort of a win-win situation. And then as the Facebook group, grew and kind of gathered momentum it's fueled 
my passion for the outdoors and my drive to go hiking in a totally different way because actually now I see the connections that other people make between them and the friendships that are made, the relationships even that have formed and um, this this sharing of skills and knowledge and things and that really fuels me because I think this isn't just benefiting me, this is benefiting so, so many more people in such a positive way Yeah. and yeah. of course I haven't gone on to do my mountain leader training because actually the Facebook group and the, the, the social aspect of the walking group became such an important focus for me because I thought I've got something here that, that people want to be a part of and that people are are telling others about you know and spreading the word and and more and more people still join and that's how you know I got involved with Taizo because they'd seen that I was advertising that and that's how so many other brands and organizations get in contact and and want to help support because they can see the positive impact that it's having on so many people and yeah the facebook group definitely drives me to to explore more and to do more and it's encouraged me to set up the social enterprise so the actual group aspect of it has had such a positive influence on me and has helped me to to even do walks that I would have never dreamed of doing on my own because somebody else has suggested it and somebody else has said, oh, I've been there before. Do you want to go there and let's try that? So I've I've learned loads even as the organiser of the group <laughs> because I never, ever claim to be an expert or to be qualified in any way. So I've learned and gained a lot from, from other people in the group. Yeah, yeah. And obviously it's such an incredible thing that, you, like you said, it's only been running for three years and you've got over 4,000 followers <laughs> 4,000 followers that is insane and these I aren't know. you know these aren't uh, these 4,000 followers are now nationwide you know it's not just people in your local area just going out with you these are this is across Scotland people organising their own little walks and everything it's such an amazing uh, community to see um, I've only been on the group for the last couple of months um, and just seeing you know, everybody planning their trips and sharing advice and talking to each other, it, it's an amazing little community feel you've got going on there. Um, really, Thank really you. impressed. Really impressed. You know, and like m one of my questions was going to be, you know, how can people get involved? Um, obviously, the, the Facebook groups, Iona's Adventures, um, and yeah, I, I would highly recommend that anybody, even experienced people, um, if it, it's a great thing to join, it's a great thing to look at. Um, there are, you know, there's there's other meetup groups out there, but you know, Iona's Adventures is now such a nationwide thing. It's awesome. <laughs> I think as well. Do you know, the thing that people feed back to me every so often is that I've never been part of another hill walking group on Facebook because I didn't, I didn't kind of recognize myself as a hill walker mm. or as a hiker until I sort of started all of the the social media side of things so it wasn't something that I felt like I could access or I could be a part of if that makes sense and other people have said to me that when they have been part of other groups there have maybe been things like minimum requirements you know you have to have a certain level of experience to join the the group and and that's totally fine if that's what that group's aim is you know that you have to be an experienced climber or hiker or whatever that that's okay um but there are people who want to join who maybe don't have that experience or they're just looking for the social aspect of it and what people have said to me is that 
like you say, it's got a community feel to it and it's supportive, it's encouraging, it's helpful, it's motivating as well. And people can post on there to ask for advice about kit, whether it's their very first pair of boots that they're looking to buy or, you know, people can post looking for advice on routes and things like that as well if they're planning a hill day. It's not just about me or other people organising walks for people to come along to. It's about anybody asking any question, no matter how many times it's been asked in the past or no matter how silly it may seem. You know, and it's not just about hiking as well. People post about paddleboarding, cycling, things like that, although it's mostly about hiking. And it's it's really a place, it's almost sometimes like a forum where you can ask questions and you know, I monitor all of the the responses and the engagement and things like that, which in itself feels like a full time job. <laughs> but you know, there's very, very little animosity or anything negative yeah. at all. And when there has been, I've contacted that person, let them know it's not appropriate, ask them to either remove it or you know to to apologise, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, people give me such positive feedback about the whole community aspect of the, the walking group and like you say even for people who are really experienced in the outdoors please do feel free to, to join because there are members of the group who are active members of mountain rescue for example you know it doesn't get more experienced than that <laughs> but sometimes they say that they join the walking group for the social aspect and to to meet more people and to enjoy it in that way so yes yeah, it's, it's really varied from people who've never set foot on a hill before to people who've been doing it all their life there are people who've completed rounds of them on roads and you know have hiked all over the world and things like that it really is for anyone and anyone anyone and everyone sorry and yeah it's just an open place where where everybody can can access it yeah yeah it, it it's awesome like what you mentioned there at the start was it being for everybody uh, it being open for people that are just brand new to it to people that are super experienced like you know on mountain rescue teams and stuff and it, you know people have that comfort in knowing that you can walk into it being a complete novice not knowing anything about it not even considering yourself as a hill walker yet um and you know you can share experiences and knowledge with people from mountain rescue or qualified mountain leaders um and it you know there, there's within the sport that we do there's two kind of main big barriers uh financial and you know while kit is expensive travel is expensive there's not much we can do about that Um we're working towards it obviously but there's not much we can do that about that in the short term but the idea the other big barrier would be people not feeling that they have the relevant experience to join things like this um mm -hmm. and you know it, it it one it's awesome to see that there there are groups out there like iona's adventures that are for everybody um because because you don't need to identify as a hill walker to go out with a hill walking group you know mm -hmm. you just need to kind of have an interest and go i wonder if this is for me you know, I, I wonder if I could do that kind of thing. Um, and knowing that there are groups out there that'll, that are open doors to allowing you the chance to find out for yourself if this is for you, if it is something that you enjoy, if you may in the future identify as a hill walker. You know, there's loads of groups out there um, that are completely open to absolute beginners just to try it. Um, and yeah, for, for anybody that's listening, if it's something that interest you if you're already interested in it 
fantastic. Join the group. You'll you'll be part of a huge community that's it's really really positive. Um, but if it's something that you're you don't identify yet, but you're you 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 know you would like to try it just to see if it is for you or not. This is the perfect place. This is the perfect place. And the, like I said, there's other groups out there. There's, a, there's other clubs out there. But yeah, Iona's Adventures with its four thousand followers is an amazing community <laughs> to join. <laughs> Do you know, and I can't believe that there's that many people in it. Honestly, in three years. I mean, in three years. <laughs> that's insane. I, I just, I remember, honestly, genuinely, I remember when I got the 100th member and I thought, oh my gosh, I've made it. I've created something. And that was 100 people. Oh my goodness. And now, do you know, and it's actually, I mean, yeah, it's over 4,000. It's almost 4,500. I mean, it's just, yeah, it is mad. And when you look at things like Instagram, I mean, on my Instagram, I've got 13,500 followers. But that's totally different because that's just people who you click to follow and you may never, ever speak to them. You may never engage with them. They may never reach out. Yeah. But for somebody to actually physically make a conscious effort to join the Facebook group, and it's important to note that when you click to join, you're asked three questions. And I'll only accept the the request once at least one of those questions is has been answered because that's my way of checking that people are genuine about it you know that it's not somebody that's going to spam the account or whatever yeah, okay so yeah. they could answer the questions and they could just they could just write something that sounds a bit like you know they enjoy the outdoors and i would accept it but if somebody's made the effort to spend even 30 seconds reading and answering those questions then i know that it's somebody who hopefully has a genuine interest in being a member of that group so for people to actively do that and to make that effort and to seek it out, that means a lot to me because that means that that's somebody who wants to be a part of that community. Whether they decide to stay or whether they ever engage with anything or whether they even consider coming on a walk, it's a whole different thing. But for them to, to make that effort to be a part of it, that's a big thing for me. And yeah, I, I totally cannot believe that it's something that I created and I've had you know, so much support from lots and lots of people over the last three years and brands and and kind of organisations as well as individuals. And it's amazing to think that, that you can start something completely on a whim that actually so many people can resonate with and, and relate to. And I think that's the main thing. People can relate to it because yeah. it's for everyone. And, and that's a, a really, really powerful thing. I never, ever take that for granted. And it still blows me away completely. I feel so grateful. I really do. It, it, it's a, an amazing thing. And like you said, hopefully, you know, it continues to grow. Um, I mean, four and a half thousand followers, that's, that's verging on cult level. <laughs> but yeah, ho- hopefully we we you know we, we see it continuing to grow. We see the community building. Hopefully everything stays positive, as positive as it is, because it's an amazing thing to see all these posts coming in. Loads of advice, loads of questions, um, and you know it has given rise to this social enterprise that sounds like it's going to be such a positive thing, um, something that's definitely needed in in our industry. Um, so yeah, let's. I'm looking forward to the next year, seeing where Iona's adventures goes, but seeing where the, the social enterprise ends up. 
I know. Who knows where where we'll be next year? And it's important to note that the social enterprise has the same name. It's Iona's Adventures as well. So um, yeah, it's it's very much off the back of the yeah. Facebook group yeah. and off of the support that I've received from people. I wanted to continue that and and to feed back and be able to to help upskill people and, and provide a, a service, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where can people find out information on the social enterprise just now? So I've got a website that's called ionasadventures.com cool. and that is um, yeah it gives you a brief introduction to where the social enterprise came from. There's also information about the instructors who will be providing the courses and there will be an update on there as soon as courses are available. And um, yeah, if you subscribe to the newsletter on the, the email, then you'll be the first to find out when the courses are up and running, which is really exciting. So I'm just getting ready to sort of organize all of that now. That's it. I'm psyched. I want to go hill walking. I can't wait until our travel restrictions get lifted. We are still in the middle of April, but I want to go and hill walk so badly now. Uh, hopefully I can catch up with Iona. Hopefully you guys are inspired and want to go and catch up with her as well um, and go out into the hills and get some, get some playing time done. But remember, whatever that be, whether you're hill walking or whether you're climbing, whether you're mountaineering, when you're out there, when we're allowed to return to the hills, do your buddy checks.